When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, my name's Giles Brandreth, and welcome to Something Rhymes With Purple. This is our podcast. I say our podcast, there are two of us. It's me and my friend Susie Dent. And I'm quite excited this week because Susie has invited me to do the podcast in her home. And uh, she's moved since the last address I had in my book, which is why she didn't get the Christmas card. Uh, And um, if it sounds a bit strange, it's not because we're in the bathroom, we're in the kitchen. What have you been up to this week? Oh, I have uh, been in studio all week, so if I sound a little bit jaded, I'll do my best not to. Uh, That's because we've just done 15 countdowns. 15? So you... Most of us thought it was done live at 3.15 in the afternoon. (laughs) Do you think people still believe that? Um, It's pre-recorded. It's pre-recorded. In Manchester? In Media City. In Salford. Media City. Um, so that's what I've been doing, yes. 15 countdowns, back late last night, and uh, can you hear it in my voice? Just I had you can a late, see it in the bags under my eyes. I had a late night too, with an older woman. Did you? Yeah. I have been doing Celebrity Goggle Box. Oh, Rachel and Pasha have been doing that Rachel well. and Pasha have been doing it. All sorts of interesting and amusing people, but we don't get to meet them. It's a fascinating experience. It's genuine. Tell me this. Where are you? Because you're clearly... When I saw the pictures of Rachel and Pasha, they clearly weren't in their own sitting room because I know Rachel's sitting room. And um, it doesn't have leopard skin throws. Pasha is trying to raise her game uh, (laughs) and took her to rather a fancy hotel for that. I went to Chichester for the first week because Sheila Hancock, who I'm doing it with, is a wonderful actress. She's been appearing at Chichester, the Chichester Mm -hmm. Festival Theatre. And so we went to her digs. Oh, okay. I wonder if they just rented someone's house. They do sometimes do that. They do sometimes. But then it's all for real. So you go in, they're hidden cameras, and you sit there and Mm. you watch the telly. Mm. And we had an extraordinary experience because we saw something called Naked Attraction. Oh, yeah. You've seen it. I've just been talking about this this week. Do you know, I've never seen it. Well. But Rachel had to see something called Mr Pimple Popper, which sounded like the worst Worst nightmare in the world. I won't go into it as she did because it was just totally disgusting, but it involves popping pimples. Oh, That's the please. whole premise oh, of the show. Please. Yes. Well, naked attraction is uh, obviously it's uh, lots of naked people looking at one another. Uh, you you know, a girl is shown five naked boys and she decides which one of them she likes best and which bits of the one of them she likes best. It was quite a revelation <laughs> to Sheila and me, but I was rather pleased. In fact, I'm hoping to go round to um, see it on a regular basis with her. I'm going to be saying no to celebrity naked attraction when that comes along. (laughs) I've decided. Let's talk talk about collective nouns. What is, essentially, what is a collective noun? Uh, It's a really boring phrase, isn't it? For, basically, it's the term for a group of a certain number of things. So it could be people, it could be inanimate objects. It's just a group noun. Can you give me an example? Uh, Yes, what would be the collective noun for politicians? Oh, but that's a funny one. An odium. One. Oh, an odium. A posse. Very good. Snollygoster. 
What's nonagostamine? Well, yes, I'll come back to that because it's one of my trio at the end. Oh, yes. Don't forget, if you're new to our podcast, basically what happens is this. Susie and I get together and we talk about words and language. Most people think of collective nouns in relation to... animals, don't they? I mean, I think I'm right in saying that when it comes to jellyfish, it's a smack of jellyfish. People know it's a seat of badgers. I think that's right. C-E-T-E of badgers. Mm -hmm. Uh, Curiously, it's a deceit, spelled differently, of lapwings. It's a parliament of owls. Mm -hmm. That's quite nice, isn't it? Because they all sit, I suppose that's because the picture of them all sitting around on trees looking like a parliament. Well, it goes back to, parliament goes back to the Latin for uh, speaking and talking. So the parlour was the place where people would go and talk. And the parliament is where people do a lot of talking. So this is probably, you know, the, the collective noun for owls because they make a lot of hoots. I imagine. A pride of lions. Yeah. That's well known. That's good. A flight of swallows, a pitying of turtle doves. Mm-hmm. I love that. A covey of partridges, a gam of whales. Have you come across that one before? I haven't. I like that one. They're, they're good. They're all to do with animals, or most of them are to do with animals. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a, um, I like this, a yap of chihuahuas, uh, a kindle of kittens. That's quite well known. Are these old? Are these new? Are they invented? How do they come about? Well, this is what's so strange. So, um, as you know, I've mentioned before on our podcast that people long for an authority in English. So people want uh, a government telling us what's correct and what's not. And um, failing that, because we don't have an academy, um, they look to the dictionary. And so often I am asked for what's the proper collective noun for... Um, I don't know, a group of radio engineers, for example. And uh, they want to know what the official term is. And the truth is there are no official terms. It's essentially, as with all of our languages I've explained before, much to people's disgust quite often, it's democracy. So usage is king. But what's so strange about collective nouns is that they go back half a millennium to something called the Book of St Albans. And that is the primary source for our hit. Book of St Albans, as in the place St Albans. As in the place, yes. And what does this book contain? So the book contains, it was basically a manual for uh, noblemen of the time on hunting and hawking and other aristocratic pursuits. And it was reprinted over and over and over again. And um, and they just sort of slipped into the language as a result. Um, so it was attributed to a nun called Dame Juliana Burns. Oh, Barnes, sorry, Barnes. but it was sometimes written Burners, so various spellings. This was, this was, we have to remember this just before the time when Shakespeare's name was written in about 10 different ways, including by himself twice on a single document, his will. He spelt his name differently. Because? Twice. Because spelling was chaotic. It was printing, really. It was printing. Caxton's printing press that, that gave us our standard language. And before that, it was basically phonetic. It was all over the place, Same and thing. I love that. It was happily chaotic. Um, anyway, she lived um, near the town of St Albans, there's various doubts over whether she was the true identity. She was the true author. Sorry, we do know that she was responsible for the section on hunting and hawking, and that's pretty much where these terms came from. But how extraordinary that these are the ones that slipped into the language. So, so superfluity what, yes. of nuns, for example. A superfluity of nuns. Have you heard of that? I've heard the phrase. It was because women who were considered to be uh, spinsters, who were unmarried, who um, were you know, without a sort of firm vocation in life, were encouraged to join convents. And there were so many of them that uh, there literally there weren't enough convents to house them all, hence the superfluity of nuns. Is there a uh, collective noun for a collection of nuns? I mean, 
I asked my friends on Twitter to send me some possibilities and they came up with a confusion of collectives, a mm. bunch of collectives, a whimsy of collectives, a clutch of collectives, a gathering of collectives, a catch of collectives, a cacophony of collectives, but the one I thought was I most like clever, but it's got a kind of historical period feel to it, a Soviet of collectives. Ooh. Because older listeners will recall that when there was the Soviet Union, there were lots of collective farms. Mm. So a Soviet of collectives. That's very clever. I think I like cacophony. You like cacophony? Just the, yeah, just for the sound, um, which is good. But, but yes, they go down, they go back such a long time. And one of the things I love about them is that they they draw on all these superstitions and legends and myths about animals and birds oh. and that kind of thing. Um, so we know about the murmuration of starlings, don't we? I That's, love it. Yes. A murmuration of starlings. It's beautiful. beautiful. Why? What is the origin of that? Well, I just should just say that before we got the murmuration, we had a mutation of starlings because it was believed that the bird shed one of its legs at the age of 10. We don't know why, uh, but they, do you remember? Have I told you about licking into shape? I must have done because it's one you of my favourite. You often say that when I arrive, ones. you see <laughs> my humped shoulders, and you say it's time you got licked into shape, Giles. Well, one of my favourite um, etymologies, word origins, really, because it was believed in sort of medieval bestiaries. You know, bestiaries is beautifully, lavishly illustrated um, collection of um, well, animal drawings plus sort of descriptions of their character and how that might relate to humankind uh, with a moral attached. Um, and when were these first published? These were, oh gosh, 12th, 13th, 14th century. You will find, you'll f- and they're beautiful. Oh, okay. um, and w- one of the beliefs that you will find is that bear cubs were born as blobs, essentially. So they were born totally shapeless and they had to be licked into shape by their mothers. Isn't that beautiful? To lick, they had to be licked into bear shape. So all these kind of beliefs existed at this time. And hence, as I say, the mutation of starlings. Um, I I don't know what the moral was attached to this. I think motherly love was the licking into shape. Can I say, you changed my... This is the reason I come each week to sit with you, Susie Dent that the origin of the phrase licking into shape is to do with a, a mother bear licking her bear cub into shape. just what into shape. greater example of motherly love could you find? You couldn't. It is it is absolutely gorgeous. But the ones on my list, because I've got a, a list here of the sort of best-known collective nouns relating to animals and birds, my favourites include a flock of camels, mm. which is quite interesting. Mm. Now, that's apparently when they're standing still. They're a flock of camels. Mm. But when they're... Moving along, they become a caravan of camels. Ah, well, that makes sense. Now, will somebody have thought that up? And is it is it just because people start using it that it gets credibility? Yes, that, that is exactly it. And and the, as I say, this um, particular book of St Albans, but also other manuals of the kind, um, was so popular, even, uh, I guess, sort of beyond the aristocracy, maybe it was a sort of aspirational thing, that they kind of settled in the language and they've been there ever since. Going back to the murmuration. Yes. Um, simply because, I think, of the, the chattering and uh, chuntering of, um, of, of these, you know, enormous swarms of, um, of beautiful starlings. And it, that's the murmuration. So it's strange because they're not murmuring, they're actually making a lot of noise. But it relates something like, it, it, I think it's an obstinacy of buffaloes. Yeah, that makes sense, doesn't it? So it's to do with, there's something that is inspired. It's a herd of antelope, which is a bit dull, a swarm of bees, mm-hmm. but when they're stationary, a hive of bees, a chowder of cats. Yes. Well, chowder, and also there's a glaring, well, isn't there, as well? I didn't know that. Yeah. Because isn't chowder something you eat? 
Um, do you know, I actually don't know. Clam chowder. Term. Yes, it is. It's a kind of Indian dish out of chowder. Isn't it a clowder of cats? Have you got... I'm not sure it's a soup of cats. Oh, you're right. It is a cloud of cats. <laughs> <laughs> Don't ever try a cloud Do you know, I better go to Specsavers. I've got um, my little list here. I can't read my own handwriting. cluster, clouder and clutter. They all have the same roots. It's so a it clouder, a cluster, a clutter of cats. Not a chowder. Please do not eat your cat <laughs> as a result of this podcast. It, it's worrying, actually. I'm, I'm now nervous of eating sandwiches. Have you seen that stuff in the paper about people in hospital eating yeah. a, a sandwich? I They've did. gone into hospital to have their appendix out. I they did. end up being taken home in a coffin. Not good news. Listeria, hysteria. Okay. A colony of bats. Colony of bats. Founder of boar. That's B-O-A-R. Thank you, madam. I heard what you were saying. Go back to the religious orders. I mean, I, people didn't think much about uh, religious institutions, I think, in those days. So you've got um, an abomination of monks because they were generally thought to be very corrupt at this time. You've got a skulk of friars, which I think is quite good because mm. these just skulk around in the dark. Or being you up have, to I no suppose good. you could have a skull cap of friars. Oh, no, they True. didn't wear skull. They had, they had sort of holes in their skull. Anyway, a skulk is better. Tonsures. They had tonsures, didn't they? Tonsure, is that what it is? Yes. A tonsure, the bald thing, where you shave off the top of your head, that's called... Do you know why they did that? Have you got any idea? To have their heads closer to heaven? No, just, just a guess. I don't know. Is that right? Well, we're thinking maybe it is. Well, if Oh, you, I thought if, you knew the answer. I don't know the answer. And if you okay. know, because it's very easy to know a lot more than me, very difficult to know more than Susie Dent, but if you do, you can tweet us or email us at purple at somethingelse.com. And that's something... Without a G. So it's purple, P-U-R-P-L-E, at, as an ampersand, something, S-O-M-E-T-H-I-N-E-L-S-E, stop, com. What is the origin of ampersand? Ampersand goes back to um, Victorian days when school children had something called horn books, which were these paddles essentially written on... I'm not sure what animal the horn was taken from, but sort of very thinly stretched kind of horn yeah. that operated like parchment. And they would have their alphabet written on these. And um, the at sign, the and sign, uh, the ampersand in other words, was written as a separate letter of the alphabet. So they would go through the entire alphabet, A, B, C, D, and then at the end they would say and, per se, by itself, and, signalling the symbol for and. So it was and, per se, and, and per se, and, and because they kept saying it very, very quickly, chanting it as they couldn't get wait to get to the end of it, and per se, and became ampersand. The evolution of language. It's amazing, isn't it? And what it's I have to mistake. tell listeners is that uh, though normally Susie has access to her computer, she hasn't got it today. All this is coming from her extraordinary head. Tired brain. No, it's, <laughs> it's as fresh as a daisy. Uh, I've got a big head, but it doesn't seem to be full of so much stuff. Um, but I do know, that, I mean, basically there's no definitive list, is there, of... There isn't. I mean, there's just some lovely modern... I mean, if you ask anybody for a modern collective noun on Twitter, people go completely mad. Uh, so some of the ones I collected um, last year were a foot hurt of Lego, speaking from a Lego-making household, um, a drain of iPhone batteries, a pedant of Oxford commas, a blur of opticians, a boaty of McBoat faces... Um, and so on. So it's a really good thing to ask. We should put out a call on Twitter, actually. Let's do. Let's put out a call on Twitter, or we invite people to communicate with us at purple yes. at <laughs> ampersand something else dot com. Uh, I, I've I have made a list of my favourite ones that go beyond the animal kingdom, mm -hmm. and see if you like some of these uh, or can improve on them. A mine of egoists. Okay. 
or a me of egoists, or maybe yes. even an I of egoists. That's quite good. An I of egoists. That is quite good. Possibly. That mind reminded me when I was described as being a minefield of information. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's a malaprophism. That's an acorn. We've done that, an acorn. We have done that. So we feel have. free, if you're new to this podcast, there's a whole library of them, so you can go back and look for... Well, tell us to stop repeating ourselves. We, we won't. I live in London mm-hmm. on the wrong side of Hammersmith Bridge, mm-hmm. which has been closed and maybe closed for many years. And I'm thinking of getting back on a bicycle. Good. Which is why I'm not surprised that the collective noun for a group of bicycles is known as a wobble of bicycles, <laughs> which is quite nice. Yeah. Um, what about a riot of protesters? Mm-hmm. An elongation of anglers? Not mm. sure about that. Mm. Yeah. But because of the line, fishing line? What, is a line of anglers would be better, wouldn't it? Yeah. A fly of anglers. fly of anglers. Which would be good. An expanse of broads. Well, a lot of developers. That's quite clever. A lot of developers. <laughs> oh, I like this one. A compliment of sycophants. Yes. But you spell compliment not as in a compliment, but as compliment with an E rather than an I. Do you get it? Oh, yes, good. I like that. Uh, I love this. A group of school children, a group of uh, school students, pupils. What would you call a group of pupils? Chattering. A dilation of pupils. Oh. You get it? <laughs> post people, posties, post men, post women. Mm, I can't think of any. A delivery oh, of, of post people, yeah, or letterbox. A culture of bacteria. A group of judges. Judgment. A ju- no, that's uh, rubbish. Uh, no, that ju- is a judgment of judges. A condemnation of judges. And good. A sentence of judges. Of course. I think is cleverer. Now this is we were talking about politicians earlier, and what did you give? An odium. Oh. <laughs> Which is very mean. Posse is a, is quite is one that people tend to Oh, and I had Snolly Gossip. I'm gonna to come to that. A later. promise of politicians. Yes. What about a ponder of philosophers? Mm-hmm. A flush Amusing. a what? Amusing of philosophers, I would say. Oh, that's good. Particularly if they're funny ones. Amusing of jokey philosophers, a flush of plumbers, a clutch of gears, a box of pugilists, a group of gourmets, what would you call them? Uh, that would be chowder. <laughs> that could be. I've got I, a guzzle of gourmets I quite like. Have you made these up in your book? They're ones that I've collected over the years. Yeah. Because I find it completely fascinating. And I love the way, it's an, it's a way that people can actually, if you come up with something that's so brilliant, it gets into the language. That's true. So people listening to this can change the world. Have you popularised uh, a word ever through Countdown or through your work? I mean, is there a word that you think you knew but it's become better known as a result of your endeavours. No, well, as a result of my personal endeavours, no. I'd love to think that words like um, scurry funds, do you remember that one? I do. What yes, does it mean I'd again? Lo- it means to run around the house tidying up before visitors arrive, which I didn't have time to do today. Uh, no scurry funding in sight, as you can see. I think that calls for a break. I need to lie down and then we'll get back to collectives. And maybe also some of our correspondents, people are writing into us now on Something Rhymes with Excellent. Purple. Yay! Oh, Susie Dent, this is your home. Where's the loo? Do you ever wonder how celebrities order food? Like, is Sarah Paulson a Diet Coke or a regular Coke girlie? (laughs) Some peasant Coke? No. 
Or how does Sofia Vergara order a pizza? No, nothing. No tomatoes. I cannot eat tomatoes. tomatoes? Yes. Are you killed mushrooms? Not really. Okay. <laughs> if these are the details you need, and I know you do, I have the podcast for you. I'm Jesse Tyler Ferguson, and on my podcast, Dinners on Me, I take some notable friends of mine out to dinners in Los Angeles and New York City. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. That thing was delicious. Are you eating a banana? I am eating a banana. I nip out to the loo. I come back and she's <laughs> stubbing her face with a banana. This is my breakfast. I've not even had time for breakfast. Oh, you've got to really look after yourself, Susie Dent. I know, I really do. It's true. Okay. Um, okay. So, banana swallowed. We have a question. We have a question from Steve Carrico, uh, one of our listeners. And please do send us via tweet or what was it? Purple at, at something, something else, else without a G. Purple at something else. Else. It's all one word. S O M E T H I N else. Something else.com. Perfect. So please uh, keep them coming. This one, uh, Steve says, a matter which has been the subject of much discussion amongst my family and friends is the wording on the back of a packet of Hawkes oh, crisps. Hawkes oh, claim they are correct, but I maintain they are at fault and consequently have decided to take the matter to the highest authority on grammar in the land, namely yourselves. I didn't know that we were. Since 1948, we've been delighted. This is on the back of the crisp packet. We've been delighting the nation every day with our delicious, great tasting crisps. Now, every day here is written as one word. Oh. And Steve's question is, surely it should be every day. Two words. I think he is right. I think everyday means it's an everyday problem. Adjective. As an adjective. It's an everyday problem. I can't get enough bananas. Yeah. Um, but you. every day I wake up and think, where's Susie? That is every day, each yes. day. He went to the greengrocers every day. Fun. And uh, absolutely right. That so is an you can go every day to the greengrocers for your everyday supplies. And that would be everyday supplies would be... Only, only if it's used as what we call a predicative adjective. So only if it's used as an adjective in front of a noun can it be one word. If it's used as an adverb, oh. then always two words. Go on with that because uh, so basically Walker's crisps have got it long. We we still don't mind if you if you'd like to advertise uh, as part of us. We uh, Walker's crisps. We'll we'll be happy to do that. Yes. Um. Yeah. Uh, you know. Prawn cocktail for me. Uh, Gary Lineker used to do the Walker's crisps ads. He still does, doesn't he? he? Well, does he? I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't watch much TV. I love Gary Lineker. Um. Oh, you know, I go around to watch TV with my friend Sheila Hancock, but we fast forward through the commercials, so I've not seen him doing oh, it. Oh, okay. But he lives near me, mm-hmm. and we go to the same Starbucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Starbucks beca- also welcome. <laughs> yes, and <laughs> I like that. Uh, he stands near me, as it were, when we're lining up, but looking looking at his knees so as not to be recognised. Oh. And when I poke him to say it's me, Giles Gary, he sort of look flinches because he's so used, to obviously, being sort of poked by strangers. So though we are together in Starbucks, we are never very close. Oh. In Starbucks. He's a gent, Gary. I, I've never, never actually spoken to him. I just no, of course you haven't, because that's the way he treats you when you're in the queue at no, Starbucks. No, I've, I've not actually been in the queue, queue with him. I would happily be there. But um, no, I think he talks a lot of sense, particularly on Twitter. So anyway. go on with the ad, though. Go on with the... Because I think there's another mistake in it to do with well, the punctuation. Well, it's crisps, but surely this is... Surely, this, I think this is maybe a typo. Oh, yeah, not a crisp. It does great say crisp. Great tasting crisps. Yeah. Surely they haven't... Hold on. Crisp. They've done it. Great tasting is two separate words. 
Yeah, it should be hyphenated. Because they're not tasting crisps. They're everyday crisps, aren't they? Again, it's an adjective. It's a predictive adjective. It should be great dash tasting. Or attributive adjective. It should be great tasting with a hyphen. Good. Yeah. So there we are. So Walker's crisps. Need a sub-editor. They need a sub-editor. It's one of the largest brands in the world. Mm -hmm. They spend millions on advertising and they can't get their language right on the packaging. But we'd still love them to advertise. Yeah, we would like them to advertise, and we won't talk about them in this way. And also I'll revise my view on Gary Lineker. I have to tell you that. Yeah, I genuinely love Gary Lineker. Yeah, I'm ready to like. I'm I'm just not into football. And hasn't he not now got a sort of funny goatee, honestly? What is it? I suppose it's better than having a tattoo. You don't have a tattoo. I love tattoos. Oh, Oh, what's the collective noun for tattoos? Glory. Glory. God, I was going to say a tat of tattoos <laughs> or an inkwell. Oh, I love tattoos. Or a scar of tattoos. Beautiful scars. Okay. Well, people have different views about tattoos. I, I genuinely love tattoos. I might do a Jonathan Dimbleby when I'm 75. Oh, no, David Dimbleby. Uh, was it one of those that did it? Yeah. Yes. Or David but Steele. Or Judy Dench as well. Yes. Well, we forgive Judy Dench anything. And Judy Steele, the wife of David Steele, the former leader of the Liberal Party. She had one in riper years. I would have a word. What would you have? What would I have? I have to get you over your objection, but you what know would you have? what word I would have. It's my favourite word. Yex. Y E X. I didn't know this. What is a yex? You don't know? No. I'll give you three alternatives. So it's quiz time. Y E X. A Y E X. It's either part of a horse's hoof, mm-hmm. a yex. It's uh, a Greek coin, a yex. It's an old word for a hiccup, a mm-hmm. yex. I think I would know the old word for the hiccup. I hope I would anyway. I'll give it a hoof. Wrong. Oh, 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 this is the podcast of podcasts. This it's is the one where hiccup. It, it is a hiccup. No. A yex. It sounds like one. It genuinely is. You can look it up. A yex. Wow. When we next tune in next week. And we'll tell you, we'll begin by telling you the history, the heritage of the word yeks. Before we go, uh, just want, and you give us your trio for this week. I've just got a few more of these collectives I want to share with you, okay? Oh, a Welsh friend offered me an amusing one. It's rather controversial. Um, A whales of Jonas. That's rather good. Uh Uh-huh. A secession. A whales of Jonas? Yeah. What, people named Jonah? Yeah, a group okay, of people called Jonah. A Wales. Well, I thought it was quite clever. A secession of nationalists. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love this. A cacophony of mime artists. Nice. You know when Marcel Marceau died on French yeah. radio to mark the passing of Marcel Marceau, they had a minute's noise. <laughs> um, OK, I'll give you a guess. What, a group of babies? What's them? A collective noun for babies? Oh. Um, burbling. A dampness of babies. Read babbling books. A, a, gather, a, a gathering of pessimists. Thanks for not saying moist. Oh, what's it? A gathering. Yeah. Um, a cloud. Oh, that's very good. A cl- much better than mine, which was an I told you so of pessimists. <laughs> yeah. I think yours is better. Well, we can come back to this another day. Give us, because I think we're running out of time uh, and people have got work to do, lives to live. <laughs> have you got a trio for us today? Okay, my first one, uh, it's not quite quaffed which is when it's time for a drink, but this is quite useful when it is. Um, Nepenthe. So this is about N-E-P-E-N-T-H-E. N-E-P-T-H-E-N. Is it something to do with sleep? 
Well, sort of. It's a drink, potion or drug thought to bring forgetfulness of all worries. So it basically changes your state of mind. Oh, Nepenthe. doesn't have to be alcoholic. Nepenthe. Nepenthe. Isn't that beautiful? It sounds rather lovely. Nepenthe. Oh, is it Nepenthe? Nepenthe. Nepenthe. Yes. And it's a drink. Yes, or a potion or something that just alters your state of mind for the better. Very good. Yes, that's the first one. The next one, if you have too many Nepenthes, you might need to Oxtercog someone home. O-X-T-E-R-C-O-G. And that's... O-X-T-E-R-C-O-G. C-O-G. Oxtercog. To carry someone by supporting them under the armpits. (laughs) What's the origin of that? So Oxter is an old dialect word for your armpit. Um, and cog again, old dialect for uh, for carrying. Um, don't know why it's called an oxter, but that's been around for a very very long time. Oxter cog. Yeah. So if you're carrying somebody home under their armpits, yeah, the act of doing that is an oxter cog. Yes, and when you're carrying a whole load of baggage and you have to actually carry some under your arms like that, that's that's called um, oxter. That's your carrying them under your oxter. Oh. Yeah. So the armpits um, are oxters. Yeah. Yeah, a lovely pair of oxters. I like that. Um, and my third one, which kind of continues the theme, really, of um, changing your mindset for the better, is to pop joy, or one word, pop joy, to celebrate or have fun, as in the group pop joyed in the pub all evening. We pop joyed, well, we've pop joyed today pop in your joyed. kitchen. Can I come back next week? Please do. I, I like that. your kitchen. Do you? Actually. It's a bit echoey, but... I, that, that doesn't matter. It's full of bananas. Yeah, I haven't had one yet. I'll have a banana. So this has been... Something Rhymes With Purple. And if you like it, please, you know, tell your friends, tweet about it. You can, on some of these things, you can do a review and recommend it. Not on all the platforms, but on some you can. Just spread the word and then we'll we'll keep going. Something Rhymes With Purple is a Something Else production. It was produced by Paul Smith with additional production from Russell Finch, Lawrence Bassett, Steve Ackerman and Gully. What rhymes with banana? <gasps> Dolce Gabbana.